We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What's a Tony Pulis caught feverishly pleasuring himself in front of the television thanks to Jose Mourinho's dour tactics and 2-2 draw at Old Trafford. This is the Arsenal Vision post-match podcast. My name is Elliot Smith, and you can block me on Twitter, Yankee Gunner. That was something. Uh, we were bad. They were worse. Andre Mariner was even worse than that. And uh, just sort of the snide, sniveling, dirty, cuntish tactics you'd expect from Jose Mourinho. Not a lot of quality in the game, which I'm sure just made him happy. And somewhere, Tony Pulis had his pants around his ankles and was smiling ear to ear. Paul's here. You can find him on Twitter at Posner My Pants. Hello, Paul. Woo-hoo. And Scott is on Twitter at O underscore that underscore crab. Hello, Scott. Woo-hoo. Tim, what? Really? <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> we'll do that. That's fine. Uh, Tim is at Old Trafford. Sorry, Tim. And Clive is sleeping. Clive was tired, tired, little tired, had also been to a, a holiday party, and there may have been some alcohol consumed, but that's totally cool. We support that, this podcast. In fact, we may or may not be doing that as we speak. In any event, let's get into the game. And uh, Scott, I'll start with you just for a second. Super quick. We're not going to do a really statsy thing this podcast. We're, we're going to talk qualitatively much more than quantitatively so that we are free to have terrible opinions. But uh, just as far as the XG, I know it was 2-2 on the score sheet. What was it on the underlying score sheet? Uh, real quick. Yeah. Sorry. When Thanks. you multitask, you, you totally forget what your, your call sign is. Yep. Um, so I had that one at 1.8 to 1.28. Um, so Arsenal, you know, did out XG them, but did give up two really good chances, which, you know, were errors. And, you know, you really can't do that against a, a mid table team like that. They'll, they'll, they'll make you hurt. Yeah, it's the mid-table sides where you just, as long as you don't gift them chances, they can't hurt you. And we did, and they did. And that's really what happened. So, Paul, 
Um, a couple of things. We we started with the back three, and I'm not convinced it was the right call for this match. I mean, the reality is that Manchester United give you so much room in the final third and in midfield. They really are passive in that area, but we really struggled to build from the back. I mean, what were some of the things you caused that? The, uh, the, uh, uh, caused that? I mean, Shaka's absence certainly among them, but do you just think maybe there was a little bit of, of anxiety, anxiousness in the squad when we, when we kicked off? Um, so I, I agree that uh, three of the back seems a little passive going into this game. On the other hand, I still thought that uh, Mourinho was going to keep it compact. He knew we would probably come down the wings at him. And so if we were going to keep, get any action, any creativity into the center for Aubameyang, it was going to come down the wings. And so three at the back just allows you to push your wing back, your wing backs or uh, what would have been full backs more confidently further up the pitch and really, really get them in behind. So I think it was kind of an aggressive move. Um, the way we played it. I mean, it did, nothing worked particularly well this game, but uh, I guess I can see why three at the back, although it can give you three guys mark and one striker, it, it allowed us to confidently push up and have Torreira and Ganduzi, who uh, can be challenged as a pairing, uh, find their way in this game. So uh, gave them a platform and allowed the full backs to push on so I guess I was okay with it yeah I, I, the funny thing is I guess I just didn't see that happening like it seemed like we were playing the ball very deep a lot and really struggling to progress it into their half and I, on the occasions where we were able to get into their half and and have any kind of possession where we strung two or three passes together we easily cut them apart they were getting killed down uh, our left their right I don't know what a Dallow is or a Dalot but it is not a good professional football player and we took advantage of him and his side and Kolasinac who was maybe not a defender himself certainly did have a lot of joy but then we were also short the second runner in the box and I thought we got into a lot of good positions to cut the ball back and pull the ball back but it was really just Aubameyang and he looked a lot more isolated I wonder Scott if <laughs> if Emery had known the lineup that Mourinho was going to pick if maybe he would have gone to to three in midfield instead and played a back four because it was such an odd United team. No Pogba, uh, no Lukaku, uh, you know, a, a very makeshift defense. And, you know, it seemed pretty clear that they were going to try to keep us pinned in, in our half, but that they had no intention of contesting midfield. I mean, were you surprised at all by the way Jose lined up? And, and you know, would you have wanted Emery to do something different in light of that lineup? Um, you know, I, I didn't think it was a, a bad lineup. It was actually pretty similar to what I expected, although I did call, you know, Mkhitaryan for Ramsey to start. But um, pretty much it was ex what I expected. And I thought that the team probably performed about as well as could be expected. Um, I was actually a little bit impressed with how much pressing Manchester United were able to do. And I think that that did cause problems, especially with Guendouzi. I thought that he had a, a little bit of trouble dealing with the, the pressure that Manchester United were putting on him early. Um, and that was about the extent of the, the midfield contesting that they were doing. They really seemed to, to focus on Guendouzi to see if they could, you know, rattle him a bit in this big situation. Um, but I thought that he actually grew into the game. Um, I, I don't really have any complaints about the way things, you know, lined up. And then, you know, he got the injuries to, to force him to make changes, which I'm not sure he was 100% going to be planning on doing. So I, I don't have any complaints about the way they lined up. 
Yeah. It seemed, Elliot, to your point, that we basically attacked down the left and Kolasinac got in a lot. And the player we were looking to provide the overload on that side ended up actually being our right wing. We kind of sacrificed the right with, and Ramsey came in. So Bellerin was pretty quiet. So I think that's where you got your extra midfielder. Uh, from it didn't obviously it didn't work exactly brilliantly, but it kind of worked, and we did have that period of pressure leading into leading into Mustafi's goal. So I can kind of see what the strategy was to get in behind, to get wide, and it was kind of working. We execution kind of sucked. I mean, Kalasinac probably had what I don't know if Scott has access to that, but I would guess eight or nine situations maybe there weren't eight or nine crosses but eight or nine situations where he kind of he some of them he was hesitant on some of them he put it he got put in a blocked cross some of them he put in a half decent cross that seemed to be our go-to stratagem for uh shaking them up in the box yeah he he put in uh it, it only says one of three crosses which seems crazy to me um yeah but, but it is what it is. I guess I, if they're blocked or, or if he, I mean, we saw him a couple of times stop, uh, and really hesitate and slow the play down. So, yeah. Well, but, he did. He did complete yeah. six of nine passes inside the penalty area. So that's mm-hmm. obviously quite sure. a lot. Um, I, you know, I think the issue also is maybe maybe where we saw the shortcoming of the strategy was with Wobi, who I thought had a very off night and also dropped mm-hmm. a lot deeper. And so he dropped into the zones where. Genduzi was playing. He wasn't necessarily then available to link up with uh, Kola a lot and not really arriving in the box. And when he did, he didn't make the most of it overall. You know, that may have been the big issue that short-circuited the attack. I mean, Scott, is that fair to say that given how much attacking we did down there left, Awobi's off night was maybe partially responsible for us not having as much success as we could have? Yeah, and I think that when Awobi came off, I thought you saw a little bit better from uh, Kolasinac. Um, I think that when uh, Aubameyang actually moved over there, they seemed to really um, focus better. And then I think that um, when Doozy actually um, combined really well with Kolasinac at the end. Um, you know, looking at the the actual pass map, I would say that there's probably one, two, three, four, five, seven crosses that Kalashnikov made, like total. That's what I would consider more. Um, well, the so well, at the let's things. put it this way: he. This says he completed six passes in the penalty area and one cross. So, to your point, if those, if you want to count all of those wide inside the penalty area passes as crosses, then it would be seven. Yep. And, yeah, so, and, I, mean, it was and I think a, he got in. You know, there were the runs he made that he didn't do anything with, uh, passed out or stood on the ball or got you know got tackled before he did anything. But as a stratagem for getting in behind, that was the one thing that worked. Exactly. No, that there was space there, and you know, I think uh, Kalusinac really did well. Um, you know, I, this really did kind of show that I thought that he is a a very impressive final third player. Um, I thought that he was probably, you know, when we looked dangerous, it was usually with him involved. So I thought that he had a pretty good game going forward. Going, you know, backwards, not so much, and it's probably something to forget about. Yeah, I mean, look, he, fall a he, bit off. he completed 72% of his passes. That's not good, um, you know, especially away where you want to be safe with the ball. But you look at his attacking third passes, 9 of 15. You know, so so that's where your attack is short-circuiting, I think, when you look at it. And Matteo Ganduzzi, I mean, Paul, he, he started mm. poorly. He was really shaky. Now, I think he deserves a lot of credit. He finished at 88% passing. Um, I thought he grew into the game. He had a lot of confidence. He took on... 
um, his man a lot late. And I think one of the stories of this game is the referee, and we should probably come to it now because what was really happening is Ganduzi would take a touch and try to get past his man. He'd get fouled. The foul wouldn't be given. There were a lot of niggling fouls that, that Mariner didn't give. And by the time he started showing the card, he had sort of lost control of the game. So do you think another story that sort of set the tone for the game was certainly Ganduzi maybe struggling early, but Mariner not really having control of, of the tactical rotational fouling that United were doing? Yeah, uh, for sure. Uh, I mean, Matic was awarded man of the match. What the fuck? But if that's a recognition of a guy who's mastered the command of rotational fouling of him and his colleagues, then so be it. Um, I thought Ganduzi... Uh, he didn't get his fouls early on, but then he started getting all his fouls from there on in, right, right in the tackle. So as the game went on, I think he warmed up and maybe his ability to create some separation from the other midfielders warmed up. Um, so he started getting his fouls. But yeah, definitely Mariner, you had this, there was a spate of cards in a row, which is not necessarily a good sign. There was the uh, that Rojo challenge. Um, man, that's got to have been close to a red card, but you're never going to get that at all. And close traffic. to an ankle breaker, too. Yeah. 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 I mean, uh, Ganduzi knows how to play a foul, but that was, he was well in there on both legs, absolutely out of control. So, very, very, yeah, reminded me. Yeah, reminded me a lot of the one that was a red. I think, and the Huddersfield match on the over the weekend. It was it's very mm-hmm. similar. That late and high and dangerous, really putting his yeah the opponent in danger. When they... I think the problem was we'd just given away a yellow card in a similar but lesser manner, and I think Mariner kind of thought if he went beyond that, the he'd have the whole crowd down on him. But yeah, yeah. Jesus. Look, I, I thought I thought Mariner's lack of early calls set the tone and really disrupted yeah. us being able to build the play. And so United used that that rotational fouling to disrupt our buildup, and Mariner didn't punish them for it. And, you know, I think it also made us a little nervy because, look, when you get fouled and taken off the ball and the ref doesn't call it and then it's headed the other way, you start to get a little more conservative and a little more careful. And so, you know, we, we missed Shaka there, obviously, for his, his line-breaking passes. I thought that in general... You know, we were just a little sloppier than we needed to be. But I, I do think mm. Mateo grew into it. And we, we can come to that a little later on that I thought towards the second half, he really started to step up and be a leader. In fact, I think he completed 25 of 28 passes in the attacking third. And a lot of that was in the second half. Um, you know, he and Torreira were given a lot of responsibility uh, for vo- volume passing without Chaka there, without Ozil there. And I think overall they did okay. But, you know, then we run into the injury situation. And, and Scott... Mm. You know, I thought that when Holding went down, we should have switched to a back four. Now, I don't necessarily know who we would have brought in. I mean, I guess it would have been Mkhitaryan at that point. But I I just felt that we needed the extra man in midfield. Because the thing that's so amazing to me about United, we talked about this so much leading up to the game, and it proved true. You get the ball 30, 35 yards from their goal, and they just give you all the room you want. There were numerous situations where Kolasinac or Licksteiner, for example, would pick up the ball in our half and carry it all the way into the attacking third with nobody contesting them. And I felt if we just had that extra person in midfield, you know, maybe we could have combined a little more and found more room for Aubameyang to try to make some darting runs in behind the defenders. We didn't do that. I mean, maybe before we get into the loss of holding, do you think that maybe that was an opportunity for the manager to switch, to make a tactical switch there? Yeah, I think that probably would have been a, a pretty good one because, you know, it's, it's a tough one because you probably... 
sent out and trained them on that, you know, the system. But I, you know, we've played the back four enough that I don't think it would have been a, a tough move to make. We had Ramsey on the pitch, not injured yet. So Ramsey could have easily dropped into the third uh, midfield role or, you know, even as a 10, you know, gone the four, two, three, one with Mkhitaryan coming on. Um, because I think you're right. I think that we needed that extra body there. They weren't really doing a ton of attacking. Um, Lichtensteiner's not, or Lichtensteiner isn't a natural center back, so it's not like you're even doing a like-for-like like sub there. So I, I think that probably, if you, if any of the subs you're gonna, you know, really criticize, that's probably the one to make. But I guess it's a, a safe sub to make. Yeah, I I agree with that. I mean, Paul, for you, is that do do you agree with that assessment? Would you like to have seen him do something different there? So I uh, would have been okay with maintaining the formation, except um, actually, you know, what pushes me over the side to your argument is he's then bringing in Licksteiner, who I've actually been itching to see as a centre back. But that so you got a new player in there. You got to push Mustafi over to centre centre back and Socrates over the left. So you've actually gone and forced three players to be playing out of position or half out of position. I know. Mustafi and Socrates have played those positions before, but it's still, it's in the middle of a match, as we've said, they've trained in a particular way, and you've now thrown all the pieces up in the air, and Socrates is the best man for this through the center. That's when we look most effective with the three at the back. So given the, the domino effect there, I think that would push me towards saying, all right, let's, let's go more naturally to two center backs and, and two full backs. Yeah, I mean, Scott, do, do you think the holding loss is like full crisis time for us, or or maybe just minor crisis? Like, where do you where do you place this in the injury crisis pantheon? Well, you know, not great. Seeing especially as it's December and you know there's going to be like six matches like coming up in like the next two weeks, so that's not great. Um, I guess the only kind of silver lining is it looks like. You know, Koscielny uh, is starting to come back a little bit, although, you know, that's a, a tough injury to come back from. Um, so it might just be, uh, you know, Socrates and Mustafi for a while. Uh, it's going to be it's going to be tough. Um, I hope it's it looks bad and never good to see somebody um, stretchered off. And that definitely looks like it could be a knee injury because it was a non-contact one. And those ones, you know, that could be ligaments and all sorts of bad stuff. Yeah, I, I think. You you worry about like medial lig- ligaments and stuff like that that could cost him at least the rest of the season. Um, but now it looks like it's Socrates and and uh, Mustafi as the the starting center back pairing. But if back three is the regular formation and not just going to be used for big games um, or certain opposition, then is Licksteiner the one who comes in with Nacho Monreal back? Do we use him at center back and Kolasinac stays at uh, wing back? Koscielny is nearing a return, but it's sort of unclear. Now, I saw some people tweeting out that he hurt himself in the under-21 game that was played the other night, but um, the official account tweeted out an update that said he was fine. There was no injury. so He had a cramp. Yeah, we'll see. So, I mean, uh, Paul, for you, I mean, how gutted are you for Holding, who was making tremendous progress in, in his development towards being a long-term solution at the position for us, and how do you think we should uh, get by without him going forward? Uh, yeah, it's very disappointing. He's right on that trajectory you wanted him to be on. So to take a step back from here, I mean, maybe we'll find out it's not that bad. Uh, but if it's, I mean, the old air padding, uh, putting it in a brace, maybe they were being cautious, but uh, it's kind of depressing to see the guy, the lad going off like that. Um, obviously, we got Nacho. Um, 
And if we want to play with three at the back, then yes, we can play Kolasinac ahead of him. And we've seen that lineup. Uh, I do think Lick Steiner has some good right centre backing in him in a back three, but uh, that's probably a learning curve too far for us right now. So it's going to... Um, I mean, I don't know how wedded we were to the three at the back uh, option as our standard go-to. It's working well at the moment, but historically it hasn't been Emery's way to go. So it may have just been a way of shoring up our defence so that we're we're more reliable and you know maybe he learned from this this uh particular game that it wasn't actually the three of the back or the two of the back that's making the issues for our defense because that was bloody ugly defensively yeah i mean it's it's really disappointing to see the way we conceded both goals and we'll come to those in a minute but but scott you know when the halftime whistle comes i almost couldn't believe a half of football been played because between players being on the ground and injuries and fouls, there was just no fluency to it at all. I I am not someone who just comes out and backs you know Arsenal in every situation and says Arsenal's the best and everybody else sucks. You know this. I'm not really a Pollyanna, but I just think United killed this game. I think their their approach, their fouls, their tactics, their lineup, I think everything about the way United approached this game just killed it. I don't think they had any interest in playing football. They wanted to make it as ugly as possible. I mean, as far as opponents we've faced in the Premier League this season... I thought they were down there with some of the worst, especially in the first half. I mean, what did you think of the way they approached the game and, and you know, sort of the level of quality they brought to the to the encounter? Yeah, and it really did seem that it wasn't until they went down both times that they really showed any sort of, I guess, attacking mentality. And that's almost been their MO all year. Uh, you know, they don't really attack until they're down, and it's it's kind of weird. Um, especially with, you know, you look at the the badge and you think Manchester United attack, attack, attack. And that was definitely not the case in this game. Um, just tons of fouling, not letting Arsenal play, um, not even looking to play themselves. Um, and yeah, it was, it definitely reminded me of playing a, a mid-table team. You know, I know it is, you know, kind of what Jose Mourinho does, but this is, it's just so weird to see from that team that you're not used to. Yeah, I, I and and again, I mean, look, I get it. They they were in the game and they were they were contesting the game aggressively, but they weren't doing it with any quality. You know, they weren't passing their way through us. They weren't causing us a lot of problems in build up. They were doing a lot of long ball off dead balls. They were doing a lot of, you know, just channel runs and and balls up the pitch. But like, I, I never felt that they had any impetus to to take the game to us other than to break up our play and, and foul aggressively. And it was only really Andre Mariner, in my opinion, that kind of gave them the out to to be able to do that. Because I think if he had started showing cards a little bit earlier and if he had seen one or two more of those fouls, they would not have been able to continue with that, which might have changed the pattern of play. So Aaron this Ramsey... game had you know, uh, Fellaini for the winner on the 93rd minute from an Andre Mariner awarded free kick written all over it. So... It's there's one topic to be very pleased about. It didn't didn't follow the 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 almost looming uh, portented uh, heartbreaking uh, defeat we've seen so often in these scenarios. Yeah, I mean, I'll take that obviously, but you know, it's it's just it's frustrating to see yeah. a big game, especially the first half, really peter out like that. And it did. I mean, yep. it. There were just no incidents where there there was any real quality of play. I mean, maybe a few opportunities here or there where where we nearly got it done and, and then just missed the opportunity. And yet, I, I think 
Oh, just real, just real quick yeah. on that. So even at you know the last five minutes of the the first half, Aaron Ramsey was injured and could barely move. And so basically, Arsenal were playing with ten men, and Manchester United still did not even think about doing any sort of attacking. It's just like we played without holding just... for like five minutes, and they did nothing. We we had we were down a man and down a defender, and they did nothing at home to to press the issue, which is why it's so insane that it was one one at halftime, that there had been two goals scored. And the, and the reason it feels insane is because they were off nothing moments. So the first is the Mustafi goal. And, and Scott, I mean, that's just a De Gea howler. I mean, if I had to give you odds on an incident that would lead to us getting points at Old Trafford, how long of odds would I have needed for De Gea howler to be up there as one of the options? Uh, that would probably be one of the, the longest odds that you, I could give you. I mean, you looked at his quality later on the Aubameyang save that he made. And mm. that one, that one was really good. But then I, I have no idea what was going through his mind when he just dropped that ball. And then it was it uh, Damian there that was, or was it Herrera that was there? Herrera. The line? And he was just like, "What was he doing?" I think he, he was just had so a nice view of like, it. He was just observing. And he's like, what is going on there? And he just took him like an extra beat, and you know, allowed it to go over the line. I thought it was a decent I, header from Mustafi. To be fair, I mean, maybe down a little more than it needed to be, but you know. Credit to him, he got free and got the header on it. But I mean, Jesus, that is that is a howler. The captain's armband, exactly. In yeah, the it's half. you know right at him too. You know, that's right at De Gea. It's not like it was down into the corner at no. all. Basically, he didn't even have to move. Yeah, and it was a free header. So, so I mean, Paul. Then we get our we get our neck in front. You know, we get our nose in front. Mm. A lot of our body in front, and against a team that's shown very very little. And you think just consolidate for a few minutes and. They're going to be in real trouble because they haven't been troubling us. They haven't really been difficult to to deal with. And if they start to have to come out at us, maybe we'll start to have those areas to play into a little more where we can get into the attacking third and, and cause them problems. And yet, we weren't able to do that. And I, I look, I think it is just one of these things. A lack of professionalism is a bad way to say it, but it feels that way. What was the goal we just conceded on the stroke of halftime the other day? A counterattacking goal. Um that was just totally needless. Was it? Mm, who was mm-hmm. it? Was it? Come on, guys. We just conceded a totally needless counterattacking goal in the stroke of halftime the other day. Was it against Bournemouth? Who was it against? It was against Bournemouth. Yeah. Um, and if yeah, you remember, it was like the 46th minute or whatever. And it's just a total lack of concentration. We just thought the whistle was going to go. I I felt that this was really poor. And and of all the people you're going to pick on, I think I'm probably going to pick on Owobi because his, his reactions are so slow. Um you know, to get to a ball that he should have gotten to. I mean, what do you make of that, Paul? I mean, who, who do you think is most at fault there? Um, I don't know. Uh, I mean, the the ball passes through the middle of our defense when it's Herrero goes out right, isn't it? Yeah, it's a, um, it's a good save, by the way. We should we should mention uh, that. It's a yeah. really good save down down uh, his left. I thought, yeah, I thought it was great save. I was totally happy with what he did until that ball came ba- back in. He, pushed it right out past the post, nicely along the line. We should have closed that sucker down. We're just very good, very poor off both ends of that wall. There was the the free kick in the last game against Spurs down Torreira's side of the wall, where they got us on the near side. And off this one, they break off the right side of the wall. And again, we don't, we don't close it down. We don't block the shot in. It goes past three guys in. Uh, just incredibly, incredibly frustrating. Not as bad as the the second goal, but just it's like fucking hell. You get a goal, you go up, just hold on, guys. I mean, 
kind of we, we didn't need to give away the free kick uh, to set it up. It's just you know we're seeing these errors go. Our stats for defense have increased and improved as we've gone on the last few games. We're conceding less chances, but uh, the the goals we let in are just rubbish. Yeah, it was really bad. I I think you know to me I, I, there's a there's a passivity about the way we defended those those situations and you know it's unfortunate because again i really felt that if we could have consolidated there for just a few moments that i don't know that united would have been able to trouble scott you uh you had something to add there yeah so i think yeah so a will be on that free kick he you know he was the one that was supposed to be blocking for when they the jumped. low yeah mm-hmm. yeah but you know he didn't look like he knew exactly what he's doing and then the other thing that was weird is that the rest of the people, when they were setting the line, seemed to forget that Awobi counted as part of that line to play people onside. Um, I do think that Herrera was offside very, mm-hmm. very, very close either way. But, I mean, if they had, you know, kind of remembered, oh, yeah, Awobi's there, we need to, you know, drop back and be even with him and then actually run when the ball is kicked, it probably would have been a little bit better and more people in line there. It was just a, an all-around weird thing where you know we had three or four people all switch off at the same time. I mean, he was, he's definitely offside, in my opinion. But you know, again, just because it's it's a missed call doesn't mean you you don't have to defend the situation that ensues. And you know, that ball that's put back goes through like three Arsenal players. Um, and, and I don't know what Iwobi's doing because he kind of he kind of pauses. He he stops if he just keeps running. He cuts out that cross and and Martial doesn't score. So. Just really and disappointing. they've got two players that are largely unmarked in the six-yard box. Now, what you w- would say is it's not totally shocking that after the Spurs game, our energy levels and our sharpness are a bit off. I thought that was the story of the match, yeah. I, I thought we, we were a step slower the whole game. But in that situation, yeah, I, th- I still think it's just fundamentals, right? I mean, you just stay yeah. focused and switched on. It's not like he needed to do a 50-yard recovery sprint there. No. Um, so, yeah, it, it was disappointing. I mean, I, I think... Even still, after that, we we looked like we got ourselves back on top. We just weren't able to create the the opening to to get the lead before halftime, and then Ramsey gets injured and comes off again. Really unfortunate. But in this case, I thought the move that the manager made was right. I think bringing on McTarian made a lot of sense. I mean, do you think that was the right switch, Scott? Yeah, I do think so. And then I think McTarian actually looked pretty good in this game. Um, he's had some up and down moments this season, but I think this was probably. Uh, one that there was a lot more ups than downs to. Um, he really did seem to hold on to the ball a lot better in this match, which was something that has always been frustrating. He seemed to not have some of those really kind of dumb, loose passes that he had done too many times before. Um, let's see, looking at it, he only you know gave a, uh, only had one uh, bad ball touch here. It looks like um, so that's not bad. And I don't know if he was dispossessed at all either. Um, yeah, he was dispossessed zero time. So didn't give the ball away at all, which was really good um, from him. I thought that his attacking play um, actually looked pretty good. Let's see what his overall numbers here. And uh, let's see, I had him as a, a .02 um, on the offensive value added, you know, especially coming on, um, you know, at halftime, that's a, a really solid number to to do. So um, I thought that it was actually probably one of his better performances. Yeah, he was sub. obviously key on the goal. Yep. For Lacazette. Yep. No, I, I thought that that counterattack was really well worked. And it, it's funny because I think we've had too many counterattacks and did on the day too many counterattacks that were just too imprecise. I mean, maybe that's that's the thing that frustrated me the most. You know what? We had a number of situations where we could attack them in transition or we had space and a pass was just under hit 
or was you know an easy pass was missed. There was one. I don't know if you guys remember. It might have been second half where Lacazette and Aubameyang were kind of in the left half space, left touch line, mm-hmm. and Lacazette just passes it in the touch, and they're kind of not yep. on the same wavelength. There were a lot of little moments like that where it wasn't that we were getting like you know line breaking, defense splitting, final third passes wrong. We were just getting some very basic passes wrong, and I thought the stretches where we passed well. We cut them open pretty easily and created good situations. You're not going to believe I'm going to say this. I also think this is a game where if we had someone like like a Welbeck or even a Giroud, we probably win because there were a lot of situations where Ganduzi or Mkhitaryan or Bellerin or Kolasinac was on the on the wing and you know just at the top of the box with tons of space to deliver across, a you know, a curling and swinging kind of cross. And Aubameyang is not the target for that, and he wasn't making himself available for those kinds of crosses so you know a lot of times what we would do was then go back i don't i can't count how many times ganduzi for example had the ball in the left half space just just in the edge of the final third looked up didn't see a player to deliver it to in the box and wound up going back to Torreira, back to the defense you know and that that pattern repeated itself a lot let's do this let's take a break to hear about something far sexier than the game uh some lingerie in fact and then we'll come back we'll talk about the final substitutions the final two goals and the result in the context of of our season so uh stay with us we'll be back with more right after this okay it's time to tell you about our friends at enclosedlingerie.com that's enclosed e-n-c-l-o-s-e-d lingerie l-i-n-g-e-r-i-e enclosedlingerie.com You're going to want to go there right now because they are offering you $35 off any gift of lingerie from their site using checkout code ARSENAL. Enclosed lingerie is a lingerie of the month gift, uh, similar to beer of the month or flower of the month, but every month you are going to receive high-end luxury lingerie for your partner. This is something that you got to do. It enhances the intimacy and the closeness in your relationship. That doesn't happen on its own. It takes time, it takes energy and effort, and this shows real thoughtfulness. Plus, you don't have to wander around a department store sheepishly. You're getting something with a perfect fit guarantee, so size will never be an issue, and you're going to love giving this gift to your partner. I'm married, I have a toddler, um, I have a great relationship with my wife, but I have to admit that keeping that closeness is something you have to really focus on, especially as time goes by and your family grows. So, this is something you should absolutely do for your loved one. Go to enclosedlingerie.com, enter Arsenal at checkout. You'll get $35 off any enclosed gift, and you're giving something that shows real thoughtfulness, that's unique, that's just for you and your partner. Go there now, enclosedlingerie.com, and enter Arsenal at checkout for $35 off your gift. Do it now. Okay, we're back, and uh, Scott and Paul are still here which uh, is great because it would have been a terrible podcast if they had left and it was just me bitching and moaning about all the things I usually bitch and moan about. But there are still things left to complain about about this match. And by the way, we will we'll give some credit where it's due. I think some credit is due. But Paul um, Lacazette came mm-hmm. on. I thought he had a pretty good performance. Ultimately, he mm-hmm. is instrumental in the goal that uh, gets our nose in front again. Uh, it's not his goal technically, but I think he and Mkhitaryan worked that really well. And it starts just with... A bad giveaway under very, very little pressure. Takes the ball, gives it to Mkhitaryan. They, they exchange ball 1-2 on the edge of the area, and he's in. Um, you know, how, how impressed were you with his, his cameo and with that goal? Look, I thought it was pretty good. The only thing I didn't like about the Lacazette cameo was it reminded me of why I'm not super crazy about Obama Yang on the wing. I, I thought Obama Yang did okay. 
Uh, he worked very hard. He worked. He he went both ways. Uh, he had that great opportunity, the Henri Curler in the second half after Lacazette came on. I thought Lacazette did very he well. He also had the one and, really well saved by De Gea, by the way, with his his left leg where he he ran across the box. It was, oh, the, yeah. it was the one really good whipped cross that got in, and he was right on yeah. it. And 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 uh, some people call that a miss. I mean, you you have that down as a miss, yeah. or you have it as a De Gea save. It's a great. I mean, his his form, whatever the technical term is, to have his leg there. It's a hockey I save. Yep. Yeah, I don't think Aubameyang did anything wrong. In fact, if you just look at Aubameyang's part of it, you say, "Oh, beautifully." Pl- oh, fuck. <laughs> yep. So, um, but I thought Lacazette did really well. And what I also liked about it was, from the time Lacazette came to, came on, there was no comparison between the two teams, uh, where United may have been shit for ninety minutes. Um, we didn't show separation of performance for much of the first half uh, or even to some degree for the second half. I mean, we were the better team and maybe we deserved to go ahead and all that. But it was, if you were to look at the two teams from the time Lacazette came on, uh, we just outplayed them. And we actually started to look like we'd found our energy. Uh, we were We were half a step quicker. Uh, you saw Mkhitaryan, Lacazette, and Aubameyang actually pressing, which we hadn't done with our front line. You know, Ramsey did a lot of running in the first half, but it wasn't part of any coordinated press across the front line. It was just basically closing down a bit of space. Um, from when Lacazette came on, we decided we were going for the game, and we weren't going to be able to do that at Old Trafford for 90 minutes or 45 minutes but we were going to do it for about 25 minutes. And, you know, the Lacazette chance comes from Mkhitaryan pressing their uh, centre-back on on their left-hand side, um, forcing the turnover, and then we got the three guys sprinting through. It was kind of uh, a little bit more Spurs-like. I also think Lacazette gets the credit for that. I don't. Maybe he didn't officially, but every time I've watched that replay, he, he takes the swing and then the defender kicks it off his foot, but it hits his foot on the follow-through. Maybe I'm wrong, but it still looks like he should get credit on that one. I hope he does. Well, I mean, they haven't credited credit him with that goal officially, but, I mean, okay. you know, he does everything right. I mean, you could maybe argue maybe that he takes just an extra step to get it into the mm-hmm. position for the shot there and that if he can release it quicker, none of that happens. What I thought it should have been is a goal, a penalty, and a red card. Would have been the ideal call there, and you know, just another blown call by Mariner there. But um, Scott, you know, I, I mean, so again, we're 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 in front two one, and their reply comes right from the kickoff, and it is a straight ball right up the pitch. Uh, I believe it kind of bounces off Lukaku a little. It it's no danger. Kolasinac takes a heavy touch. Fine, you took a heavy touch in your box. You're still favored to get to it. To be fair, Leno takes a step towards it, but for me, Kolasinac has put himself and his keeper in it there. He's got to take command of the situation and just hammer it clear. And it wasn't the first situation like that where the defenders didn't really take control, command of situations. There was one where Mustafi and Licksteiner got kind of caught up, and I think Mustafi called him off and then didn't play the ball. Um, I mean, for you, is is the goal on Kola, or do you have some some criticism for Leno in that situation? No, I, I I think that's got to be on uh, Holosinac. I mean, I mean, you can't expect to expect that your guy's going to not clear a ball there. You know, he's got to see that danger and just you know say, well, I'm going to go kick this one out. Just get it out. I mean, there's no danger. There's no problem there. 
You know I mean, just just get it out. That's really all you got to do there. That's the first goal as a defender is to, to clear the lines. You know, if you can keep the ball, that's, you know, a bonus at that point. Um, you'd already made the mistake with uh, the heavy touch. And so I think you just need to play it safe. So I think that one's on Kolasinac, um, just really just switching off. And, you know, that was kind of a weird one because on TV, you know, they were still showing replays of the, the goal and what happened. And it was like instantly, as soon as they cut back to that, it's like, wait, United scored? Like, how did that happen? It was and it yeah, had to be that really, Millie Rocking really motherfucker one. Jesse Lingard too. Anybody but him. I mean, Christ. exactly. He hasn't he hasn't scored in like a year, and of course he he does it against us. And well, yeah. and it's just an error, and that's the thing. I mean, you know, as much as I love Emery and the work he's doing, you know, we were a team that committed the most errors. I think it was last season uh, that that led to goals, and maybe the season before as well. And it's errors that cost us cost us in this game, and it's just hard to see those kind of mistakes being made in big games because even as bad as United were, the margins are really that fine. Now, I thought after that, the game broke down a little bit. and It got a little bit weird, Paul, because we were clearly shattered. I mean, the players were out on their feet. It looked like, you know, Torreira was doing his best, but he was down on the ground a lot, you know, just looking uncomfortable and exhausted. Um, I thought Ganduzi... This was his weakest game, uh, and I say this with all love for the guy and sympathy for him because he's probably fucking shattered but this was he was way off his own levels in this game I thought Torreira yeah I mean I have sympathy for him because I I don't know you know in the first half I don't know that his partner was having such a great game Ganduzi um and so he he didn't necessarily have the right balance there I thought Ganduzi grew into the game in the second half and then I thought Torreira really faded just energy level wise but I mean for you is the is the story of the last sort of the last quarter of the game just not quite having the the energy and the the running in our legs to to get ourselves ahead again. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, if I'm going to take a positive slant, at least we finished the game strong. At least we were the team that looked like we should have won. Uh, we were pushing forward. We had personality. Mkhitaryan's we chance was real it. good. Oh uh, yeah. yeah. Um, I agree with Scott. I think Mkhitaryan had one of his better games. Uh, I do actually think he was kind of a bit careless when he first came on. It took him a a few minutes to forget who he really was and start making his passes. But the first few minutes, he he misplaced a few, I thought. Uh, But then he came into it, and the style... Our front three began to... When we were pressing, it made sense with Aubameyang there. Um, but in general play, I just it's not the just not the best use of Pierre, I'm afraid. Um, but yeah, I think we I think we had a good 20 minutes towards the end of the game, and I anticipated the last five minutes would be them getting free kicks around our box and just waiting for that aerial from Lukaku or Martial or not Mar- uh, Fellaini bundled over the line. So uh, for me, the story of the final quarter was actually. Yeah, I agree with you. A little, if we were a little more rested, a little more sharp, uh, our execution might have taken us over the line. But we did everything but, I think, that we yeah. could do at that stage. That would not be the section of the game where I would fault us. I think um, execution is the right word because, I mean, you you look at it. I mean, Aubameyang, you know, who didn't have his finest game, had the curler well saved, had the, you know, the... Um, the cutback. The, the cutback that was well uh, well saved. He had a situation where he was running the left half space, and Kolasinac, he had acres of space to run into. I don't know if you guys remember this. And Kolasinac, all he had to do was play the ball into the space in front of him, and he underhit it. Mm. And and so Aubameyang didn't get the chance to break free. There were a lot of plays like that where he had some room to run into, and and the ball just wasn't hit 
with the right pace. So, you know, I thought that was a little bit unfortunate as well. Overall, you know, I thought we finished the better side. But what was interesting, Scott, the game got a little scary towards the end just because we would attack them well, but then not seemingly have the energy to get back defensively. And so the game got stretched for a little bit there. I mean, do you think that, you know, Emery's desire to push for a winner there, understandably, maybe made it a little nervier down the stretches than it than it needed to be? Oh, yeah, it definitely looks like, you know, a, a match we've seen so many times where Arsenal are pushing everybody forward and then, you know, they're going to get caught on the counter. I was very, very worried about that a couple of times. I think there was some three-on-three situations where, you know, our defenders did just enough to, to stop dangerous situations before they could turn into a goal. Um I, I, they, I mean, you could definitely see that one team was pushing forward and one team was, you know, more content for the point. And it definitely, you know, Arsenal were, were definitely going for the full win. So, I, yeah, it was tough. You could definitely see probably about that 60-minute mark where Arsenal just ran, started to run out of gas. Um, you know, um, then uh, Lacazette came on, Arsenal looked better, but then about 80 minutes, the game was just, you know, nobody had any energy left. These these midweek games after a weekend are so tough on these teams. See, and, yeah. Yeah, I mean, see, I think we made our life harder playing the back three. So let me just explain real quick. I think when we play in the back three, it is a much more intense pressing from the front um, almost Spursy kind of approach. You know what I mean? Like the way you, you want to get goals there is to disrupt them, to break up the opposition's buildup. Uh, you know, we press Spurs intensely and created chances in transition. You're not going to be able to have long, sustained stretches of possession without that extra midfielder. You're not going to camp out in the attacking third and prod and poke and try to play in behind their back their back four, back five. You know, and I think Manchester United are so poor defensively that if you can just get a little bit of possession in midfield and and take up, you know, some some residence in their attacking third, you're going to be able to see the cracks in that in that defense and and create some chances. But we played a style that I think demands high energy, and we didn't have the energy. I mean, you look at Aubameyang; he led us in tackles against Spurs. He was not a pressing agent in this game. He really did not have any ability to do that, and so. You know, again, I, I just feel that if we had the extra man to control the midfield, if we had a little bit extra control of the possession, because we really struggled to string long periods of possession together, that's when I think United lose interest, they drop off, they, they become passive, and you, you can pick those holes. So I, I don't know I about... I wonder, the, though, Elliot, yeah. uh, if the manager's thinking was to have a first and second half, just like he did against Spurs, but without the pressing in the first half because it's Old Trafford away... Then bring up, then have your two strikers in the second half when Manchester United, at least in theory, are required to be more aggressive towards the end of the game. And there we have our our perfect setup to do to them what we did to Spurs in the second half. But with the injuries and the four substitutions, uh, maybe he didn't have enough plans, plan Bs and Cs there. But yeah, I I do wonder if he was licking his chops at getting. Aubameyang and Lacazette together through the middle and look, in the second half. It may just be that he understands that this approach was not going to allow us to create the volume of chances we might have liked, but he may feel that we are defensively weak and that you know our XG allowed has been much better in the back three. Um, you know, maybe he just felt that he wants to prioritize our defense and that we have enough talented attackers that you know, if we can shore up the defense a little, he trusts it to work itself out at the other end of the pitch. I mean, we did score twice today. 
um, you know, by hook or by crook. So I, I don't know. It's hard to say. I mean, the only thing that I really felt, though, Scott, and this is kind of unpopular. I mean, right now, mesodosal is such a toxic issue um, on both sides of the ledger that I feel like bringing him up charges the conversation so much in such a polarizing way. But that I, you're determined to do it. That I have to do it. Well, <laughs> but I'm, I'm going to bring it up in a non-polarizing way or in a way that I think is is more forgiving of him. I mean, I really thought we missed him. I think, you know, Mesodoza, one of the things he was so, so good at, like when we had Alexis Sanchez, is popping up in the half space outside the box and just dropping dimes onto people's feet and head in the box, those in-swingers. He's so good at that. Not just picking the through ball in behind the defense, but I thought today we lacked that little bit, that little spark of creativity and sharpness. I thought Ramsey really did not have a very good game, especially on the ball. Awobi was very off, as we discussed. And while I thought Mkhitaryan was good and very good for our second goal, you know, he he is a little bit imprecise uh, with his with his final third passing. I mean, he did have that sensational offside finish, which is a shame because when it went in, I thought I thought that was the one for about a half second. But so for you, I mean, is this a game where, you know, amazing as it may sound, our highest ever paid player might have been a value? <laughs> yeah, and I think that you you saw the way that United defended where they were giving Arsenal lots of space in that 35-yard out zone. And I think that's a, a spot that Mesut Ozil earns his money in. He is so good at, if you give him time and space in that area, he is going to pick the right pass. Um, and he would have, I think, been able to do something like that in this game. Um, and I think that would have been a, a really nice thing to be able to bring on. Um, so I, I do think that he was missed in this game. Um, I know earlier we were talking about the sustained possession, and I think that there was a spot in the first half where you could really see when Arsenal, before they got tired, they were able to put together like a string of like, you know, probably a good 10, 15 passes where they were kind of going slow, slow, slow. They built up to the final third, went back to the goalkeeper, and then they slowly went through. And then all of a sudden they changed gears really fast. They found Kolasinac in that half space and it was another dangerous spot. And it's like, that is exactly what Manchester United are so bad at. And I think if Arsenal would have been fresh, they would have really torn them apart being able to do that yep. with their, yeah. Just yeah. being able to hold on to the ball a little bit more. I agree. Just a little slow to our spots, a little off with our passing, you know, a little slower on the response in the trigger. And to, you know, to Jose's credit, not to his credit, I'm not going to give him any credit, but just as a point, I mean, he, he made a lot of changes and played a very different side in this game. But that also means that, you know, they had a, a lower intensity game at the weekend um, and changed quite a bit more than we did from our very high intensity game on Sunday. So, you know, they may have had a little more freshness as well. Uh, Paul, I don't understand how Fellaini gets away with this shit all the time. Constantly. <laughs> the fuck is going on with that guy? He's, he's insane. Just fucking, it, it's some conspiracy to torture us, the fucking shit they put on. Andre Mariner, fucking Fellaini, Matic, Matic man of the match. They're just fucking with us. I mean... The he, shit. he pulled Ganduzi down by his hair. If ever there was a guy oh, who should Jesus, understand yeah. the sanctity of the hair, Fuck. I mean, what is that? That's a red card. Is it? Is it well, though? I mean, let, let, no, let's, is that not. a red card? But I mean, Jesus, that, isn't that violent conduct? I mean, Scott, let me let yeah. you in here just real you can't quick. Can't pull somebody by the hair. That's got to be a red card, isn't it? I, you know, I, I don't know exactly what they what they call violent conduct in England, but to me, that's a, a pretty bad thing. I think you'd get you know charged with assault for something like that in America here. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's not a football act. You know what I mean? Like what I'm saying is, if you kind of pull somebody back by the shoulder, or you know, you slide in for a challenge, 
that's football. Pulling someone's hair is just violent conduct. Yeah. I, I don't understand how he gets away with it. I'm so thankful he didn't have an inf- any real influence on the game because that was my big worry. I mean, Paul, actually, we're kind of impressed with how we handled the balls into the box late in the game when they had Lukaku and Fellaini on. Yeah, it might have been the one area where, you know, I expected United to be strong and they were poor. Uh, I thought they'd uh, do some shithousery to earn some free kicks upfield or or some Jose Mourinho, you know, Drogba throwing himself on the ground. But I guess uh, Lukaku uh, wasn't quite up to the Drogba effects. They didn't generate those free kick opportunities in and around the box. Uh, they didn't get those opportunities, but some of that was our initiative. I think maybe um, the the strength, the personality we showed, and you saw Emery on the sidelines urging us on. I think we really did. Continue. We may not have been great, particularly in terms of final execution, and they may not have been wonderful. But I think the personality showed. The mentality meant we spent we didn't give them those opportunities in our half to to do the shithousery to create the free kicks. Um, And for that, I'm most grateful. And, you know, the other... uh, I did end up this match thinking, if you can't win it, don't lose it. Uh, I never expected us to get more than a win at Spurs and a draw at United. I think we had that chat at one stage uh, a a few pods back. So I got to remind myself that... Four points from those two fixtures. Chelsea lost today. Thank you very much. So yeah. we're tied with them in fourth place. It's not It's not the worst uh, not great day at the office we've had. And Spurs are only a couple of points ahead. And we've now got another away game behind us. United could well get, won't get worse this season. But they could get better in one form or other in the second half of the season. And we'll get to play them at home. So... Yeah, I, look, it's not, I, it's not all terrible. I, I don't. No. I think the problem is when you see them that bad, you just yeah. really want to stick it to them. And I think we have the ability to do that. And I definitely yeah. think it's the combination for today, if we'd won today, look, it, it just the combination yeah. of the injuries that we had during the match, the players we had mm-hmm. unavailable prior to the match, and the energy we expended on Sunday, I think all ultimately cost us this game more than anything that United did well. And Scott, I mean, as the match came to an end, let me ask you, can you think of a big match in recent memory? Because whatever we joke around about United, Old Trafford always a big match. Can you think of an old, uh, a big match in recent memory that felt less like a spectacle, less of an occasion, less of an event than this did? I mean, I realized four goals were scored, which I, I had to check to, to make sure that was true because it's hard to believe it. But like, is this the lowest energy sort of, lowest um, occasion big match you can remember in recent memory? Yeah, it did really seem that there wasn't a a ton of intensity. And that that could be that it just didn't seem that Manchester United were really set out to attack Arsenal, um, which is kind of funny because I don't think Arsenal are a good defensive team. And I think I get more nervous when teams are attacking us than over when they're sitting off us and letting us have the ball more. So I think that partly um, led to some of it. so I guess, you know, Spurs, they, for all, for as bad as they were, they did at least try to attack. You know, Sun was dangerous in those situations. You know, Kane couldn't keep his mouth closed and was trying to attack all of it, all that he could. Especially so the really flies, different. yeah. Mm-hmm. 
So that one was definitely a, a more intense match. And this one, it just, you know, it's tough to actually, I think, probably to get the intensity up for, for two times. And, you know, the refractory period for intensity is a little bit longer than, you know, three days. Yeah, I think that's right. And, and I, you know, again, I mean, I don't want to just give us an out here. I mean, Paul, ultimately... This match feels like a missed opportunity for me, and I think you were absolutely right. You were saying it, and I I probably interrupted just because it's, you know, what I'm programmed to do. But had we won this, I don't think you can Mm. overstate the impact of, you know, winning, beating uh, beating Spurs and winning at Old Trafford, you know, in a space of three days. As it stands, I mean, where do you come down on, on four points from these two? I mean, I realize that... You know, the default is to say that's great, but do you see it as a missed opportunity because of how poor they were? Sure it is. I mean, uh, United were there for the taking. Uh, Before the game, and having seen the game even more so, and having gone up twice and conceded in just... uh, The real damage from this is the... The fragility it begins to put into the team in terms of defensively. I mean, to concede basically immediately after two goals... um, it's just uh, on the plus side, we continue to show personality and push on. So we, it apparently doesn't throw us off our belief that we can attack, but it ain't helping our belief we can defend. So that's the damage coming out of it. I think where we are in the table, uh, considering is not all bad, but there's going to be a very difficult Christmas period we're coming into with a bunch of games, the injuries beginning to pile up. Um, some fatigue at the start of it, but we'll have a chance to rest before the weekend. Um, this was a big, big missed opportunity for points for a, a historic and confidence uh, boosting win and the chance to put the knife into a Mourinho when he's close to his knees. But on the other hand, we want Mourinho to stick around for another six months. So uh, maybe it was just us being very, very smart about it. Yeah, I, you know, it, it's... It, I feel like an Arsenal fan complaining about a draw at Old Trafford is just so unfair. But, you know, again, I don't think you play the badge and I don't think you evaluate it that way. That was a really bad Manchester United side that, to your point, we were ahead of twice. And so I think it's fair to say that it feels like a disappointment you know, not to get the result. And look, I think we missed Shaka. I think we missed Ozil. I think losing Holding hurt. I think losing Ramsey hurt. A lot of things went against us in this game. Andre Mariner went against us. They got an offside goal. Um, they probably should have had a player sent off. This is one of those games where all the little things that, you know, you you don't like often... Like defending. Well, the, and defending, yeah. But I mean, all the little things that can go against you. I, I think all the little 50-50 type things in a match and injuries and cards and all that did go against us. And so when you pile that up, plus it's an away trip three days after the North London Derby, I can I can understand how you don't come away with this. I mean, Scott, for you, bigger feeling, relief or disappointment? Um, well, I, I think you can feel both. Um, so one of it, you know, looking at back at the numbers, the, the last two matches, I had Arsenal expecting about 2.7 points from the matches. So to come away with four points is really good. Um, and at least in that regard, um, I think in this match, it's definitely frustrating to have come, you know, basically drop points twice um, or, you know, given up a lead. But then, you know, you also look at how Arsenal got their goals. The first one was on a howler from David De Gea, which, you know, you would almost never expect to happen. So I think that Arsenal were a little bit fortunate to get the goal there. So it's not necessarily... Um, something that you know you'd expect and that's probably something that was gifted to us um i think that arsenal were the better team but i think uh in the end a draw 
isn't the worst result with how bad Arsenal played defensively with the, the mistakes that they made. I think that they could have scored more, but uh, we'll take it. Uh, you could still be disappointed, but you'll take it. Yeah, I mean, I, I will definitely take it. And I think losing this would have been a huge disaster uh, in the context of the top four race, keeping Manchester United in our rearview mirror in terms of keeping the unbeaten run going. I mean, is it now 20 unbeaten in all competitions? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's no small thing. I mean, Paul, for you, given that there are some disappointing results in that unbeaten run, I mean, how do you mm-hmm. rank this? I mean, 20 unbeaten is is at rising to the level of deserving a little more attention than maybe it's getting. It is. I mean, there was. I we know there was plenty of luck in that. I mean, there's plenty of luck in every game, but twenty is twenty, um, and uh, I guess the thing I I think we really take out of that is you see our heads never drop. Um, no matter how often we shoot ourselves, we take out the sawn-off shotgun and shoot ourselves in, blow off one leg and then blow off the other. We still like drag our torso up the pitch and come at them. And that's been maybe the most heartening thing over the last six, seven, eight games. We never let the head drops, the head drop. We keep going out. I think the only game we really took a back seat on. Uh, in the second half was probably that Chelsea game, wasn't it? When we kind of just took the foot off the gas. And since then, uh, we always come at it in the second half. Um, If we can only work out that whole defending thing and the solidity and and the managing a game. But uh, a run of 20 games builds real confidence and real belief. It uh, doesn't seem to have done too much on the defending side, though. I, I mean, I know we're better, and we're better statistically, but sure don't feel it today. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I on the whole, I think you walk away from this. You say, job done. Don't fuck it up against Huddersfield at home at the weekend, and we'll mm-hmm. feel we'll feel just fine. I mean, the, I, I think, do Chelsea play City at the weekend? I believe. Um, yeah, they do have City there, so yeah, that's another chance we're to We're tied get back with them the for four. fourth. You know, we're a couple points behind Spurs now, and, you know, we have a chance to crawl back into the top four with a win at the weekend if Chelsea don't get maximum points against United. And, you know, potentially. We third- play South. Huddersfield, Southampton, Burnley, Brighton are our next four before we play Liverpool. Project 16. I, I called it yep. first. I called it first. Project yes. 16. Project 17. If we win those four and a draw at Liverpool. Project 17. <laughs> <laughs> and a draw on Liverpool. No. No, Project 16. No. It's Project 16. Um, okay. okay. So at least, well, it's funny because now I'm stuck. I'll give you guys the option. Um, I have written here as the title for the podcast, uh, A Conspiracy to Torture Us. That or Project 16? Probably a conspiracy to torture us, right? Project 16 will, will sell better. Trust me. You think so? Yeah. Okay. Riding right. on our old coattails. Fine, I'll go with Project 16. So that now we have to make that a big deal. Scott, how excited Project are you for torture. this next run of of four winnable games? Is it all about Project... Oh, what am I talking about? Four games? Yeah, it's 12. Project that's, that's 12. 12. What the fuck is going on here, guys? I can't Look, call it Project 16. Southampton, yeah. Burnley, Brighton. So there, it's there's 12. A 12. Four, and points. one for Liverpool. Project 13. All right, we're going to go Project 13. Scott, how excited are you for Project 13? 
I'm now, sticking now, with Project now that we have 16. The That'll confuse the fuck out of them. He, he's supposed to be the math guy. You know what? I'm, ca- I'm calling time on this. This has been about as good as the, as the match itself. And I want to thank everyone who put up with us for it. Look, we recorded it right at full time. Haven't had time to really digest it. Uh, Paul hasn't had time to watch it a second time. Although, I don't know. Do, do you, do you, were you able to watch it a second time in the five minutes between... When it ended, uh, when we started? No, no, no. Yeah, so that, that explains a lot. Uh, Cl- Clive and, and Tim will be back, hopefully, to bail us out after the Huddersfield game, and they can do all the math. But until then, Scott, I mean, just real quick before we say goodbye to you, um, with with the holding injury, with the Ramsey injury, um, you know, so do you think that he maybe might consider starting to go away from the back three this weekend and, and you know, go, go back to the four two three one we've seen against the smaller teams, or do you think, it's it's back three for the foreseeable future. I think in this match against Huddersfield, I think we can feel comfortable going to a back four. Um, just I, I don't think the Huddersfield are going to be as dangerous as an attacking force as some of the other teams we played. So I think that, uh, especially now that we have injuries to, to deal with, that you know we're not going to need to shoehorn somebody in to go for a back three. Yeah, be curious to see what he does with that. Yeah, no, look, he always keeps us guessing, which is great for hashtag content. In any event, Scott, thanks for coming on. Scott's on Twitter, O underscore that underscore crab. Yes, thank you. Uh, Paul's on Twitter, pause in my pants. Thanks, pause. Hashtag project 16. It's 13. There's no 16. It's not even 13. It's 12 or it's 15, but it's not 16. Uh, anyway, my name is Elliot Smith. You can block me on Twitter, Yankee Gunner. Give us a five-star review. Write nasty things about us in the comments. And as always, we do appreciate you. We love you. If you want to go sign up for our Patreon as a, as a holiday gift to us, uh, our holiday gift to you is that we have a bunch of In the Spotlight episodes on the horizon, Terrera, Aubameyang, and Unai Emery, which should be fun. So you don't want to miss that. Um, there'll be more match preview videos from Tim, which would be great. And then uh, we'll be posting some things some live projects that we'll do there as well and, and even some video stuff. So so if you want to do that, we'd love you for it, but either way, we love you. And we will talk to you after Arsenal 10, Huddersfield nil. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.